that doesn't have to be like this. All we need to do is make sure we keep talking. This is the BBC World Service. It really <laughs> Calling... is. <laughs> no, it's not really, isn't uh, Hello, Nightingale. <laughs> Come in. <laughs> are we doing... Are we doing... Do we have to have code names now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hello, Chicken Hawk. Chicken Hawk. Can you hear me, Chicken Hawk? Greyhound trap one. Greyhound trap one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, do- we're just doing them all now. Um, yeah. How are you, Simon? I'm very well. How are you? Well, cooped up in the house. Uh, it's a yeah. beautiful sunny day outside, and I have to say, yeah. I have spent the last three hours sat in that sunshine drinking beer. And no, it's a bit of a shock, isn't it? For those of you interested in my beer, um, I'm drinking Brakes beer today. Uh, for those of you interested in my beer, I'm drinking a lovely ice water. <laughs> You're stuck inside. The only thing about being stuck inside is that everybody is out all at once finding out they're alcoholics. Seriously, we had, we had the bins come round yesterday and mm. everybody's recycling bin was out. You've never heard such a rattling of glass in your life. Really? <laughs> yeah, and it wasn't all from mine. No, oh, so you say. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, as we've said before, we're in, in England, in Britain, and it is... Not raining for a change. It's Easter, and the first time I can remember when it's been an Easter bank holiday and it's been a glorious weather, and ironically, we're all shut inside. <laughs> I'm actually starting to believe in God. I'm a bit of an atheist, as you know, but I'm starting to believe in God, and he's a bit of a git, because only by design could you have beautiful, unseasonable weather when we're all locked inside. Somebody has to have planned this. It, It very much strikes me, the whole situation very much strikes me as the planet Earth being fed up of the abuse we've been giving it and just basically saying, go to your room. Definitely. Definitely. And while <laughs> you're doing night. that, I'm going to have a ball out here. Yeah. Um, that's outside today, and there's very few barbecues or anything going on. It's, it's mm. very bizarre. Everybody seems to be quite relaxed about just sitting inside fiddling with whatever they're fiddling with. Well, let's uh, not talk about that. Yeah, but um. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful day and nobody seems to be outside. Well, maybe it's because we can't get out to buy the coals to have a barbecue. I managed to get beer. People aren't trying hard enough. That's certainly my issue. I'd have a barbecue today if it wasn't for the fact I've got no coals. And you've got to do a podcast. And I've got to do a podcast, so... But anyway... Anyway. (laughs) Hello, hello, listeners, and welcome to this week's episode of Keep Talking. Yeah, here's the other thing, going back to what we were just saying, though. Um, I sit in the garden, and as you know, my house, while we're quite away from the Castle Donington Airport, or Mm. Midlands Airport, or whatever they want to call it now, um, Mm. we do get planes flying over us. Um, Yeah. And there aren't any. It's very yeah. quiet. It's weird. Remember the other year when that volcano, Quaxavotl, yeah. Ghibli, yeah. Ghibli, exploded and all the planes stopped flying? And it was mm. so weird because we're so used to... We don't... I mean, they don't fly over low. It's not like we're at Heathrow or anything. <laughs> but you can hear yeah. them go over now and again. Just, you know, yeah. not, not low enough to wave at anybody or anything, but, you know, low enough to hear. Um, mm. But it's just been so eerily quiet today. I can hear myself thinking. Oh, that's not a good thing. No, it's very quiet, actually. 
actually. <laughs> I must admit, it was. Um, I saw a plane fly across earlier on in the week, and I thought, "Oh, that's a bit unusual. <laughs> Where, where's that come from? What's but, that?" But you live in Ripley. I mean, that's the usual response to people in from Ripley. They think that's it's true. witchcraft or something. Iron they? bird flies through the sky. That's what we think. <laughs> Run for your lives, burn your firstborn, <laughs> sort of thing. Yeah. But other than uh, that, but yeah. you were just about to say before I rudely interrupted you, as is my want. Mm-hmm. You was were saying I? Something. I can't remember. Well, you oh, were saying something about how, how I don't know. I think you're welcoming people to this podcast. Oh yeah, I was welcoming. Hello, listeners around the globe. Hello, listener. Uh, <laughs> and welcome, welcome to this third episode of Keep Talking, the weekly from the Revelation Station. Yeah. Uh, how are you all out there in Listenerland? It's really weird, so, isn't it? Because we aren't really per se doing anything. I mean, you're now on furlough, aren't you? Yes, I am. And I'm still working. Mm-hmm. One of us has got the better deal here. <laughs> um, but it, it's really weird because uh, we're getting together to do this. And we're, we're, before we start this, we have a quick little talk to see what we've been up to. And it turns out nothing. I've literally been sat around doing pretty much nothing all week. <laughs> nothing of any interest anyway. And we refuse to talk about the circumstances that bring us to this. It's far too depressing. Exactly. Yeah. The whole point of this is to get away from that. Yeah, to so. be a bit live. Light-hearted. Yes. Simon said be um, funny, but we've never managed that before, so I don't see why we should start now. Why should we start now? Yes. Let, let's, if we can't be funny, let's be informative. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> we've never managed that before, either. Uh, uh, but but anyway. that, have you been watching or listening to anything exciting? Oh, uh, I did watch the first half of the new Red Dwarf special the other day. Um, I think I might save a discussion about that for another time, though, to so give us something interesting to talk about in future. I watched it all yesterday, actually. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'd like I say, I watched the first half, um, so I'll, I'll, I'll definitely watch the second half, and then perhaps we can talk about this next week. So you haven't seen Maybe. the fact they all die, then? Oh, that doesn't surprise me anyway. <laughs> I know you're <laughs> trolling me, but it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't given you any spoilers. You, you can quite yeah. happily watch the second part. I must admit, though, I did enjoy it, so... Good. Yeah. Well, That's all we're going to say shall, at this point. I shall hold my judgment until I've seen their second half, which I'll probably watch later today. I don't know if Red Dwarf's something that's actually carried around the world, is it? Well, I know it's quite popular in America. Um, After so... their two aborted attempts to remake it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they in were fact, terrible. Let's let's table a discussion about Red Dwarf for next week. We should. Maybe we'll do Red Dwarf next week. That's yes, a great let's, idea. In fact, I've let's had... do Red Dwarf next week. You've yeah. got... All of this week to watch 12 seasons. Go. <laughs> Whew, right, well, let's start. <laughs> okay, no time for recording this podcast, everybody. See you, bye. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think your memory right, of Red yes. Dwarf will sustain you for this week. I've watched the first five seasons so many times, I could probably tell you exactly everything about them as it is now. Yeah, but but watch Without. the new special and we'll discuss Red Dwarf... On, as a on mass next week, and specifically the, you know the the new one, the new special, the promised yeah, good land. Good idea. Yeah. So listeners, look out for our red dwarf discussion next week. But for this week, uh, I have a little piece of news I want to share with everybody out there. I know a lot of our fans have come to us through Genesis. Gasp. Um, there was a report on the Forbes website uh, which said that several bands were going to be releasing some live gigs onto YouTube over the next few weeks uh, to help everybody in lockdown. So Radiohead was one of those, and they announced theirs officially. Radiohead were going to help people during lockdown, were they? 
Yes. Okay. Yes, they are. Suicide a big thing then, is it ever there? <laughs> Probably to help people leave the house. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care if I die anymore. Um, but bands such as Pink Floyd uh, and The Grateful Dead have all said they're going to release, or oh, this report says they're going to release stuff. Uh, but one of the bands that was mentioned was Genesis, who apparently are going to release five live shows onto YouTube starting next week on April the 18th um, with a, a show from their Abba Cab tour in 1981. Wow. Is this sort of previously unreleased stuff? Well, that's the thing. There's not a lot of information given in the uh, article, uh, just that it's five shows. Um, so we don't know whether it's going to be five things that have been released before. So this could potentially be Three Sides Live, um, which was mostly from the Abba Cab tour. Yeah. Um, but there's fingers crossed. It's stuff that we've never seen before. It's unreleased stuff. Wow. That will almost make staying in worth it. I mean, as we've discussed on the on the Genesis podcasts, um, they're not very good at releasing stuff from their archive. No, they're not. All live albums. They, they've never really seemed to have got mm. the hang of a live album, have they? No, that's true. There is talk of uh, an anniversary deluxe edition of The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway coming out later on this year, mm. although it would be the 46th anniversary or something, which is a bit odd. So mm, maybe, who knows? The thing is, and I know we do bang on about this, but they've never really released a pure live album. All the albums no. that they've released that are, that are live are just a selection of live tracks. It's exactly, like... Um, yeah. We, we do bang on about this as well. The um, Show of Hands Rush tour, which, and I, I actually went to see that tour, and it is like going to see the tour. You know, the track yeah. listings more or less follow what they did, and yeah. it's a really good presentation of a live set. If you've got a drum solo in there, mm. Genesis have never done that. They've just released an album with some live tracks on it, which is yeah. not the same thing as a live album. Yeah, exactly. So it would be nice if they could get onto that, but I mean, this might be a good start. If these, these live things prove popular, especially if they are unreleased, they might move a little bit closer to doing uh, some official stuff. Yeah, I mean, we, we have got tickets to see them later this year, and hopefully that does actually right. happen. But it'll be interesting to see if they're any good live, because neither of us have seen them live, have we? No, we're, no, we're, no. I think we, we were going to see them, weren't we, in 2007, and we they were but we, so quickly. Yeah, we never got a chance, did we? Yeah. Um, and I never really, although I liked them uh, as I was, mm. you know, growing up um i never really got a chance to see them live then because it wasn't one of yeah. the bands i ever wanted to see live as it were mm. so yeah. i'm just hoping the fact that they've never really done a live album is not because they're crap live <laughs> you know? well yeah hopefully <laughs> yeah so um, i'm sure there are people out there who'll turn around and go no they're really good live which is great and that's what i want to hear but, you know, the fact that they've never released a live album as an event, yeah. that we get the whole effect of a full live gig, I'm hoping that's not because they're not very good live. There are enough bootlegs out there of decent enough quality taken from the radio and stuff to show that they are a pretty good live band. So why do you think they've never done a live album? I just don't think they're bothered about it, to be honest. But a lot of bands do do it, and and they're, they're very popular. A lot of people like to listen to live, you know, live albums. Yeah. I mean, they've not released that many official live albums, really, for saying how long they've been around. No. But anyway, that, that's enough them, Genesis but... talk. This, yep. this is not a Genesis podcast anymore. <laughs> Maybe no. it will be again in the future. We're going on to pastures new. Yeah, for today we're going to talk about Rush. So we're going to talk about the album 2112. The year is 2112. The album is 2112 by Rush. 
2112 by Rush on Mercury Records. A concept of life in the future conceived and performed by Rush. Attention all planets. Rush has assumed control with their new album, 2112, on Mercury Records and Tapes. Yeah. Um, just a little background here. We are both massive Rush fans, aren't we? Mm, yes, I mean, we are. We love Rush. Can you remember when you first got into Rush? Oh, I, I can tell you the, exactly the first song I ever heard by Rush. Mm, um, it was uh, it was Spirit of Radio. Really? Because it was on a it was on a rock compilation tape that I had uh, called Hot City Nights that had people like Marillion and Magnum and Robert Plant and Hart. That was a weird mix. Uh, but then it had Spirit of Radio on it, and I just instantly fell in love. And that is still probably my favourite track. To be perfectly honest, I can't remember the first track I ever heard with Rush. It was it was so long ago, so many years ago. Um, I really can't remember. Um, I, I've seen them three, four, five times live, um, yeah. and I, all I remember is always loving Rush. Um, mm. I, they certainly weren't the first rock band I ever went to see. The first rock band I went to see live was uh, an English band called Saxon. Um, oh yeah, yeah, that was my first <laughs> were they, live. Gig. Were they wearing the cod pieces? Uh, no. Well, I was, but, you know, that's besides the point. Um, no, that was my first live gig that I went to see. I'd been into rock a few years before then. In fact, the yeah. first album I ever bought was Rainbow Rising uh, because wow. I yeah. liked the artwork. That was the only reason uh -huh. I bought it. I, I wanted to get into rock, kind of, and I went yeah. into the shop, and that album was the first one on the rack, and it was yeah. such a pretty picture um, <laughs> that I just bought it just for the artwork. And it's yeah. still, to this day, one of my favourite albums of all time. Yeah. But Rush just was one of those bands that I got into at some point and I cannot remember not ever being into Rush. Yeah, I do know. I used to listen to the, the Friday Night Rock Show with Tommy Vance and also the Saturday Rock Show with Alan Freeman quite a lot when I was a teen. Hey, pop pickers. And I can clearly remember the first time I heard anything from 2112 was on that show they played a live gig and they played part of 2112 so that would wow. have been the first time i heard 2112 can't tell you when that was 86 87 sort of time okay wow. um but yeah that, that was a an eye-opener yes yeah. i've been getting into prog rock but it was more the sort of the genesis yes right yeah 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 Marillion, so not so much the guitar-based stuff, and Rush just came in like a, some sort of guitar powerhouse. Um, <laughs> well, compared you know, to Genesis and Marillion, yeah, mm, they were. I mean, and bearing in mind that I was I, I knew Spirit of Radio, which wasn't a particularly guitar-heavy song, so to hear 2112 was just, whew, blew my mind. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember mm. which album I got into first with Rush. Mm. Um, I really don't. I say I always, I just seem to always remember liking Rush, but I don't know yeah. which album got me into it. I get the feeling yeah. it was one of the later albums. It definitely wasn't Grace Under Pressure because I remember mm. buying that already being a fan. So yeah. oh, I have no idea. It must have been Moving Pictures or something that was probably mm. my first album, which is the one that um, Tom Sawyer's on and things like that. 
was probably my first album, I think. I think I think probably 2012 was the first album of theirs I bought. Really? I wow. That's yeah. going at the deep yeah. end. Yeah. Um, and very soon after I bought 2112, I bought the, the debut album. All right, yeah. yeah. So obviously I, I was going for the rock side of things rather than the uh, the prog side of things at that point. Cool. So 2112 will all have a special little place in my heart. <laughs> um, yeah. Just I, opening up a different type of prog rock music. It was it was very unusual. Well, it wasn't for the time because a lot of bands were doing sort of, sort of this sort of themed album mm. at the time. But this was the first time Rush had done something of this nature. The, the yeah. you know the, their previous albums were been not themed exactly, but they mm. were of a kind. The songs were yeah. all of a kind of song. For anybody out there who doesn't know who Rush are, what are you doing listening to this podcast, first of all? Secondly, where have you been for the last 50 years? And thirdly, they are a Canadian band. <laughs> or were a Canadian band. Rush is one of those all-time great bands. Yes. And all you have to do is listen to their back catalogue of albums and you will mm -hmm. never be in any doubt that they are one of the best bands of all time. They're one of the, the most unknown biggest selling <laughs> bands of the they world. Are. They are. They, they have something like uh, the, the their fifth or sixth or something in of artists for consecutive gold records. Yeah, that, yeah it's crazy like stupid. Like and you, you talk to people and they go, who are Rush? And you think, somebody out there is buying all these albums. Mm. It can't be just their mums. Exactly, yeah. It's, it's, they're, they're a big selling band and they, yeah, they are one massive. of the biggest selling bands. I, I think they are the biggest selling Canadian band in the world. Um, yeah, they formed in 1968. Um, and they went on hiatus, I suppose, because they didn't really split up in 2015. And then, sadly, drummer and lyricist Neil Peart died this year in January of brain cancer. So there is no more rush. They can't get back together and do a reunion tour in five years' time. Sadly, that's it. But they've left us with a great body of work. Yeah, as I was saying to you a while ago, I watched the um, Rush R40 live mm. DVD a while ago. There's two documentary type videos that they released, which was Beyond the Lighted yes. Stage, which is yep. a great documentary that about Rush. You really should watch that. It's so funny. And yeah. it's a really great insight into the band. And then they did the... I believe that's on Netflix. Is it really? I oh, so, yeah. You should really watch that. It is such an interesting little documentary. And then yeah. um, a couple of years ago, they released the Rush R40 Live. And it's less about the live performance than mm. about the band and what they were going through at the time. So it's more a documentary yeah. than actually a, a live concert. And uh, yeah. it's absolutely fascinating. But it goes through because this was when they were breaking up. This was They'd said, mm. we've come to the end. And it was basically Neil Peart who was coming yeah. to the end. And there's a big interview with him where he says, you know, he was riding his motorbike from gig to gig to gig to gig to gig, um, mm. which is his thing. He loves his motorbikes or loved his motorbikes, yeah. I'm sorry. And he was basically getting trench foot and athlete's foot and everything because yeah. <laughs> he was getting waterlogged from gig to gig. And he was yeah. basically the last half of that tour, he was in mm. such colossal pain with his feet. Mm. Um, wow. He was finding it difficult to drum. And there's yeah. there's a quote from him on there where he says, you know, the rest of the band basically wanted to keep going. Everybody else was fine mm. with keeping going. But he just said, I'm just too bloody old to keep this. Because <laughs> the way he drums, he doesn't mm. drum. He uses it as an instrument. And he, there is no yeah. drummer like Neil Peart. No, there will never be a drummer like Neil Peart. He used the drums in a way that made it, rather than a percussion, it was a main instrument. 
Yeah. And it was such hard work. He literally yeah. got to the point where he says, I'm just too old to drum like this anymore. <laughs> and so they, they literally had to end there because he couldn't physically do it anymore. Yeah. And unfortunately, that was before his, his uh, diagnosis. Um, yeah, I mean, so... he, he he had a lot of well-documented tragedy in his life, um, which did, I don't did. really want to go into here. Yeah. Um, you can find it all yeah. online on Wikipedia. Um, but he was such a talented drummer and lyricist. His lyrics, yes. Yes, some of the best lyrics in rock, just intelligence. Um, Rush could easily have turned into a, a mindless rock band, rock, mm. like Kiss, to be honest. Yeah. But because of his lyrics, they turned into something better. Anybody could have done songs about love, sex, whatever mm. that you get from most rock bands. Yeah. Rush didn't do that. They did mm. start off doing stuff that was all Dungeons and Dragons sort of thing. Yeah. But then they evolved into something else entirely. I mean, this album we're going to do, 2112, is pretty mm. much a Dungeons and Dragons type uh, concept. Yeah. Yeah. Not not that theme, but you know what I mean? It's that kind of world. They then went on from that, and they were singing songs about the Manhattan Project, about mm. financiers, about... Yeah. The, f the flow of time about relationships things that other bands wouldn't even go near as a theme for a song yeah, exactly. it, it, they had a wide variety of, of sort of themes that they would sing yeah. about that are not the themes you would expect a rock band to sing about exactly i th i think i'm gonna i may be being controversial now but i think if he hadn't joined the band they wouldn't have attained the success that they had i think they would have probably done they'd have got another drummer in they'd probably done one maybe two more albums and then they would have just faded away into nothing. I agree entirely. It, um, although he wasn't the, you know, they worked well as an ensemble. They complemented each other very well. Yes. But it was his driving force, I think, and the and the fact that his drumming was absolutely mm. beyond yeah. anything ever. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a coincidence that he was, you know, a sponsor of so many drum kits around the world and got so many sponsorship deals because he was yeah. the pinnacle of drumming i mean that's not to take away from the the talents of of geddy lee and alex lifeson at all they were both absolutely super that is the weird musicians. thing you've got a band here of three people and all ah. three of them were maestros in what they did there was yeah. not a slack member of this band no exactly um i mean geddy lee he's one of the greatest bass players without a doubt um, yeah. I mean, certainly, I think I think the only person I think who possibly could be called better is Chris Squire, maybe. Um, I would really argue that point. But I yeah. think that I think it would be a case of you you argue it, and there'd be good points on both sides. I think. And I mean, you can listen to these um, albums, and the the guitaring is pretty good. Mm. Um, but when you listen to Alex Lifeson doing acoustic stuff, you realise mm. how absolutely masterful he was, yeah. and already yeah. he is yeah. on on the, you know on the guitar. Yeah, he's an absolute master of the instrument. Mm. Exactly, he really they, is. Yeah, and they all three were masters. And to come mm. together as one band, yeah. I mean, I'd love to know how they got together because it can't be a coincidence that three brilliant people get together. What are the chances of three brilliant people going to the same school and going, hey, let's form a band and being so good? Apparently, the um, they auditioned. They didn't know Neil Peart. They just auditioned him and he was the best on the day and he joined the band. Wow. Because obviously they had the, uh, what's his name, John Rutsey, the original drummer on the first album. Yeah. Um, he left because he was quite ill apparently quite, yes um and didn't like touring so he left no he couldn't tour at all could he yeah and they got just auditioned for a new drummer and there you go but how much would you what like to listen to? to that audition tape oh <laughs> that's gotta yeah. be an audition tape and a half hasn't it yeah i would say so yeah can you imagine 
It must be on oh. file somewhere. They must have recorded it. Please release that if you're listening. Yeah. I mean, I guess another band that aren't that interested in releasing archive stuff again, although they have released a lot of live albums over the years and, and albums that have actually been live shows. Yeah. Uh, but they've been very good at releasing deluxe editions of their albums. I mean, there's a, a deluxe edition of 2112, um, yes. which came out in 20, 2016. And they have just released or are about to release uh, Permanent Waves as a, a deluxe edition. Oh, are they? Because when they yeah. released 2112, I mean, it was mixed a lot better. And I remember listening to it on my headphones and thinking, I haven't heard some of these sounds before. There was so much going on in the background now. It was very Mm. well mixed now. That's the version I've been listening to this week, and and especially in the title track. Um, there are a lot of guitar lines that you don't hear in the original version that are really Definitely, brought up. Yeah, yeah. Especially in the intro, the yeah. overture. Sorry. It really is worth buying the deluxe mm. edition just for just yeah. for the remixing of it. Even if you don't get the deluxe edition, that's I think it's like four CDs and a DVD. Just get the remastered version of the album, which features that. It's, yeah, it's it's, really it's so worth, worth it. it that you you literally can hear the difference. Yes. Most quite a lot of re- re-released albums that are like um, reissued and whatever. They, they really don't do anything. Even when they say they're remastered, they're yeah. pretty much the same album. Yeah. But this one, you can actually hear the difference. Yeah. Again, going back to Genesis, a lot of the Genesis remasters that came out in sort of 2007, 2008 sort of time, last time they got back together. Yeah. There's not really a lot of difference in the sound quality. Not a lot. They seem they're a bit clearer, but the mixing isn't any better. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But then you get something like uh, Marillion have been releasing their deluxe editions and they're releasing not only the including a lot of the time they're including the original mix of the album as well they're also including a much better remastered version and you can tell the difference of them. yeah really um and rush also are very good at doing that i mean they've got remixes remasters of uh, farewell to kings as well which came out a couple of years ago yep so they're, they're releasing quite a lot so keep keep up with it that remastered things i'm i'm quite tempted by the permanent waves to be honest because again it's like i say spirit of radio is my favorite track so there you go it's the one that gets <laughs> the most airplay yes it is yeah. but anyway on to 2112 this was their fourth album it was it released was. on the 1st of april 1976 although some reports say it might have been released in march yeah there is some argument about when it was actually mm. released that's not important it was released in 1976 that's yeah. all you need to now this was an interesting album wasn't it because prior to this they'd had caress of steel Yes. Uh, which wasn't very well received. No. In fact, they no. just literally finished the tour of this. Yep. And yep. when they were playing the tracks from Caress of Steel live, they were so badly mm. received, they actually did think about giving up. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be an unusual situation for, you know, for the critics to hate your album and mm. for your fans to hate the album. That's yeah. got to be... Yeah, which is know, weird because be it's not actually that bad an album. To be honest, it's probably my least played album of theirs, apart from their last album. But when I do listen to it, I don't listen to it and think oh this is awful but they were planning to give up and in, and in fact their their record label mercury was planning to drop them as well it was only the fact that their manager ray daniels talked mercury into saying you know all right one more album but if yeah. that fails we're out of it yeah. um but fortunately this one was a corker it was absolutely yeah. brilliant i mean they, they were talking about should they stick to their their guns and, and move forward the prog rock they'd trialed on caress of steel and try and push that or should they go back to being sort of almost a led zeppelin light style band and i think they've reached a good compromise with this album with the first side being the proper prog epic and then the second side is almost led zeppelin light in places well there's a there's an an interesting um uh, interview with leafson 
when he's talking about this and he says they did, really did discuss big time how they were going to bring the band forward whether they were going to change style or, or stick with the prog rock and he said mm -hmm. we decided basically we're going to stick with the prog rock and go out in a blaze of glory whatever happens yeah. happens either yeah. this works or it doesn't but that's what we want to do it's very much they've got nothing to lose do what they want they've got you know given this lifeline there you go you can do one album whatever <sighs> yeah you're gonna go right well we could try and make a commercial album that isn't gonna work let's just blitz yeah. it <laughs> and they did in spades i mean the thing was this 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 was also a big thing for the band because they were in financial dire straits at this point the ticket yeah. sales on the last tour have been so poor because of the the poor reception of crest of steel they really couldn't even afford to pay themselves the, mm. the weekly wage yeah. so they were really struggling at this point so if this album didn't succeed they literally didn't have a fallback position yeah exactly and it did succeed, which is yeah. incredible. I mean, it's it got to a... number 61 in the US charts, which doesn't sound much, but it was basically meant they'd broken the US. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they were now a big band. Because when you think about yeah. how many albums come out a year, number yeah. 61 isn't bad at all. Mm, that's pretty good. And it became their biggest selling album until uh, Moving Pictures. Yeah. So it's still their second biggest selling album, but what a, what a gamble. And it paid off. Yeah, and the other thing was, of course, um, the tour for this was their first European tour as well. Yes, so it brought them to a brand new audience. Yeah. I mean, that's really the key, I would imagine, for a band, you know. Definitely. They've now gone worldwide, as it were. Yeah. yeah. You play to your home crowd, you've got to push that forward, because eventually your home crowd are going to go, yeah, heard it before. What you got? What's new? Heard it before. Come on. Whereas you take it somewhere that's not really heard of you before, and that it is new. For a band to, to go, we're going to try the other side of the world. I mean, what? Do, how, how risky is that? It's a lot of cash to transport your equipment, yourselves, your crew. Uh -huh. That's a big yeah. outlay for a band that really doesn't know the reception it's going to get. Exactly. And for basing it off the last tour, which flopped big time yeah <laughs> that's so. got to be even more of a, a concern so it was ambitious to say the least so this album is preserved in the canadian audio visual preservation trust as indeed should the band be 12 things are added to that uh, trust every year culturally significant canadian classics taken from music film tv or radio are added yep. to that so yeah so this this is their second album to feature a sidelong track after Caress of Steel yep and the first track on the album 2112 opening with the the long ones I mean only the only the first side is part of the actual theme of this album yeah. second side yeah. has nothing to do with the theme at all it's just mm -hmm. a selection of five different tracks yeah the first side one whole track separated mm -hmm. into what is it five different uh yes yeah, five or six isn't it six, yeah five or six different yeah, that's right. Um, I, I always take it as one whole piece, though, because like that famous track that you love, Supper's Ready, <laughs> you can't really edit the bits out into separate bits. And I've tried. But I'm going to say, unlike Supper's Ready, I think this follows a coherent storyline and flows better from part to part. It doesn't feel like... You can't half listen to this track, can you? You can't, no. This doesn't sound like five or six different pieces of music that have just been glued together like no. Supper's Ready. Nobody ever says, oh, I only like Discovery on this. Nobody's, mm. Nobody ever says that. You listen no. to the whole track. Yes. Yeah, so. But you've got you've got five tracks that basically make yeah. this up, haven't you? You've got the Overture, Temples of Syrinx, yeah. Discovery, uh -huh. Presentation, Oracle, uh -huh. The Dream, and the Grand Finale. Oh yes. no, there's Soliloquy in there as well, isn't there? Oh yes, that's right, yeah. Um that, that's the bit where he kills himself. <laughs> yeah, a cheery little number. For years yeah. I kept thinking, did 
Did I hear right? Has he just killed himself? <laughs> We're jumping yeah. ahead. Let's we start from the beginning ahead. with Overture, a nice yes. musical intro to sort of yeah. set the futuristic tone, because it sounds yes. kind of futuristic, doesn't it? telling in this is inspired by the Ayn Rand short novel uh, Anthem. Yeah, they actually put um, um, a note on the on the record sleeve, didn't they, saying that, that it's inspired by that. That's right, that's but right. But the actual story uh, I, itself has been written by Neil Peart. Yes, I have actually read Anthem by Ayn okay. Rand um, because it's one of her less impenetrable works. Um, <laughs> uh, and the story is very similar. But it's about a man in a dystopian society who finds a guitar, doesn't know what it is, and brings music back to the people. But I'm not a fan of Ayn Rand, to be honest. Um, I think she's... she. Uh, for people who don't know Ayn Rand, she's famous for the greed is good philosophy. Um, objectivism so she's really popular with the far right that um, was the thing wasn't it on this album because when mm. they were when they released this album uh, they got various reviews and one of them in the british press referred it to as nazi propaganda yeah. Uh, yeah. which rather upset geddy lee because his parents uh, escaped the uh, genocide in uh, they did. They escaped germany the yes yeah. yeah, so, so um, um, he was quite upset by that yeah quite rightly so as well because i don't doesn't even vaguely come across as that i mean this does not yeah. glorify the the stomping boot this actually yeah. glorifies the uprising of the peasantry exactly quite the opposite of what ayn rand's story says yeah um or no not her story the philosophy says yeah um it's actually about you know you shouldn't be suppressing the yes. creative common man and, and, and the singularity of soul yeah. is the exactly. important thing exactly so although the story is very similar to anthem the philosophy behind it is completely the opposite yeah, basically turns uh, that story on its head, doesn't it? Exactly, yeah, yeah. it does. It does. Um, I wouldn't recommend Ayn Rand to anybody who's curious. Um, I wasn't planning to read her. Anthem is just about readable but because it's fairly short. It's only about 50 pages long. I okay. tried to read Atlas Shrugged and just, no, not interested. The characters in that story are so awful, um, I've got no interest in that, so I gave up on that one. So then we've got the um, nice musical in, uh, start to this, which, which lays yes. down the foundation of the track, which then goes into the Temples of Syrix.
I love this particular part of the this track because yes. it lays down the the basis of the story and how the um, priests control mm-hmm. the society and yeah. how they relate to you know their their computers and things. Yeah, I love this. It's brilliantly sung, brilliantly paced, and a very fast tempo piece. It is. I would say I think the crash from Overture into the Temples of Syrinx is possibly one of the best prog rock moments ever. I agree. Um, that would be in my top 10 prog rock moments, I think. Just yeah. so good. Just the, the complete about turn and music from the acoustic intro and then just into the boom, straight into Temples. Definitely. Oh, it's, it's really it's powerful. So really mm. powerful and helps bring the story to life it does it does i mean it really opened you know you might have been not concentrating so much on the uh, the intro instrumental bit and then but this is really going to bring you up this is t- grabbing your attention saying this is the story definitely now, one thing that strikes me about the priests yes um so they talk about we don't want your your newfangled guitar when he mm-hmm. finds the guitar yeah but they're quite happy to use computers i think what we're seeing here is the priests saying they don't want to hear anything they aren't currently relying on so anything yeah. that they aren't unfamiliar with is considered mm. new, and anything yes. they're familiar with is considered reliably old. It's like it's like that Douglas Adams quote, isn't it? Is there any technology that comes along when you're growing up is just part of the world and you accept it? Anything that comes along between about 20 and 30 years old is new and exciting and you want to get involved in it. Anything that comes along between about 30 and 50 is interesting, but you could probably take or leave it. And after that, any new technology that comes along is scary and unnatural and you don't want any part of it. Yeah, that's that's pretty much perfect. Yeah, I hate to think at what point I am at the moment. Um, yeah, scary. It's scary. <laughs> <laughs> not quite at the scary phase yet um although i am leaving all the podcasting to simon i just i just drink beer and wibble into a microphone and then i edit it having said that i'm the one who's basically been sourcing most of the tech yes so um it could be you that's at this scary phase maybe i don't like any of this i don't like it anymore it's all <laughs> magic and horrible but that always struck me about the priests that strange Thing. so but i suppose it does make sense that they're used to the computers they've always been there and this guy comes along with a guitar and they're like what the hell is this yeah well the, uh, that po- the point in this um story the priests are part of the galactic federation and everything there is run by computer um so that's the norm to that yeah that makes sense yeah i mean at this point we haven't got yeah. to the guitar no that's true yeah because we now go on to discovery where the man finds this guitar in what sounds like it's in a rubbish dump. What can this strange device be? When I touch it, it gives forth a sound. It's got wires that vibrate and give music. What can this thing be that I've found? Like a sad heart and joy 
but yeah. The only thing that, that strikes me in this story is the fact that he picks up the guitar and plays it quite quickly. I oh, have yeah. never had that much luck. What an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I couldn't do that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I pick, I, the only time I've ever picked up a guitar, which was many yeah. years ago, it sounded like somebody playing it with boxing gloves on. <laughs> yeah, it's not intuitive enough for you to pick it up and start playing a guitar. You can't it, intuitively yeah, pick it up. If it was me, I'd pick this guitar up and go, wow, it's this. Grang! Grang! That's rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be the end of the story. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much what I'd do, yeah. Or I'd hit something with it. I mean, that's just that's just me. Oh, the string would flick out and whack you in the eye. Ah! ah! <laughs> no, that is me, yeah. You know, stupid thing. <laughs> oh, I don't want to play with this anymore. Stupid thing. right. Yeah. <laughs> if you can all pick up a guitar and play it that quickly... Everybody yeah. would be playing a guitar. Yeah, exactly. I'd be playing one now. To the point of moving the story along, our guy picks up the guitar and can play it almost instantly. Yeah. So then we get to presentation where he takes it to the priest. makes sense because it's something they don't understand it's something they can't control they can't control that's the words i'm looking for they can't control it they don't understand it so instantly they turn against it they reject him and reject it yeah despite his protestations this is a good part of the story i like the way that he geddily does his his more screechy voice for the priests yes and is what he evolves into voice yeah for the the person I mean, you've got the same singer doing both parts of the song, but mm. the way he uses his voice, it's quite clear who is speaking when. Yes, exactly. There's no confusion at any point. No, no. And it is kind of... Talking about this album as a, the, their make-or-break album, it's very much... The voice he uses for the priest is very much the voice he used on Rush and Fly By Night and oh, Caress of Steel to a certain extent. But it works um, well here because it, it, the way he's screeching into this, I mean, that sounds bad, but that is the kind of scene he's using. Yeah. It does come across as the priest being anxious and panicky about this new technology. Yeah, but he kind of doesn't really do that kind of singing again after this, after this album. He, he does it a little, but... He kind of evolves into what we know him for. Yes. From later albums. Yeah. Which is good because when he, when he later in life as they tour, it becomes mm. increasingly hard for him to do the screechy voice. <laughs> yeah. So you hear less and less of the original, you know, the, the first few exactly. albums when they do stuff yeah. live because he, he just can't hit those notes anymore. The rejection by the priests of the guitar is is thoroughly consistent with the first, you know, the Temples of Syrinx. Yes. Yeah, it all it flows beautifully. 
Mm. And then, of course, we go into his dream, the Oracle. Yeah. Yes. Where he dreams of another planet and another life where music is available and where everybody's free to do what they like and mm. express themselves in any way they want. Yeah. But, of course, this dream is, is so beautiful. Yeah. It actually destroys him because he can no longer face the reality. Yeah. And he wakes up and it was all a dream. Yeah. And so he kills himself. But as we mentioned before, that's soliloquy, isn't it? Yeah. Um, As we mentioned before, it, it's not immediately obvious that he kills himself, but as soon as you realise, it is obvious. <laughs> My Gosh, you know that whole bit. My lifeblood spills over. Yeah, it's almost like, oh yeah. <laughs> But the thing is, at the end of this, it then goes into the grand finale. come in stamp their foot and invade the planet but do they well that's do it they? but the thing is if he waited just a little longer he would have mm. seen the freedom arrive you don't know who it is because it doesn't say it just says that somebody has assumed control yeah um, so it, it's, it's i'm assuming kind of, then that it's actually people. not the galactic federation because it's somebody well, coming I, in and going you're all I, free now basically or it could very well be it could be but i mean it could also you could choose to read it as his suicide has inspired a popular uprising. Yeah. Um, or it could just be that there was a bit of a uprising and the Galactic Federation came in and went, no, we're in control. We, yeah. We've taken back control. I prefer so to see kind of, the other side where they were all set free at the end. I hope so. Yeah. I, that's, that's the but way I like to. It, it could, like, as you say, be taken either way, really, I suppose. Hmm. But I think they've deliberately left it vague. Yeah. Um, and I don't think there are any interviews where they confirm which way round it is. No. Um, and I think it's better that way. You make your own choice. Is it a good ending? Was it a I'm bad more optimistic ending? as a person, so I see it as mm. a good ending. Yeah, I like to I like to think that it's somebody good has come in and kicked out the Solar Federation. See, that's surprising, because you're a Morrissey fan, so I thought you'd see the downward yeah. side of it. No, I'm not a Morrissey fan anymore. He's too racist for me now. <laughs> <laughs> okay i'm not even joking about that he is <laughs> no yeah yeah but um but yeah what do you think of this side as a as a whole i think this is absolutely fan flipping tastic it's a classic um, by it's any by anybody's brilliant. estimation of what a classic entails this is yeah, a classic 
it's absolutely stunning performances by all concerned um, on this. Um, Brilliant music. Musically, lyrically, vocally, just it all has come together and created one of the quintessential prog rock tracks of all time this is a such a brilliant track i defy anybody not to love it well i'm sure there are people out there who don't love it they're fools they're wrong yeah utterly because Because (laughs) even if you don't like rush you've got to admit that this is brilliant Uh, from a from a musical point of view i mean it's so well done even if you don't like Rush, you have hmm. to say, you know, I can see the skill in that. It's so well put together. And how many other songs, let's take it as a whole song, Yeah. how many other songs can you say have inspired a whole band to create a whole universe in the same style? Yeah. Uh, and I'm talking obviously about Coed and Cambria there, who's pretty much their whole career is this song. Hmm. I mean, <laughs> how many, also how many other bands can you think that have done a track that lasts a whole song? Where at no point do you get bored? Mm, exactly, and the and the fact that they could recreate pretty much all of it live as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was no there was no tricks or you know bizarre musical creations in here that they couldn't do live. They could do mm-hmm. all of this live, and I've heard it live, yeah. or at least parts of it live. Because I don't think yeah. there were a few tours I think where they did the whole of side one live, but mm. sometimes they just did a medley. But yeah, I've, I, it's awesome. And the fact that they yeah. can do it without any tricks or gizmos, just yeah. sit there and three of them create the whole thing. Yeah. Brilliant. And bear in mind that apart from some of the, the keyboard sounds in the uh, the overture, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's all drums, bass, and guitar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just those key, it's just the intro, yeah. the keyboard sounds. That's all yeah. they ever did live that yeah. they had to use like a foot pedal for to, to instigate it. Yeah. The rest of it was all done live with the instruments they had on stage incredible and if you're listening to this podcast now and you've never heard this track shame on you pause the podcast go to spotify or google music or youtube or anything you can listen to music on find this track and listen to it you won't be disappointed it's brilliant so then side two is a completely different album yeah and again this is this is kind of almost the hedged bet i think so they've gone for the prog rock prominence on the first side and then this side they've gone more towards their early two albums the more traditional sound you'd expect from rush yeah um and it's a mixed bag i think that's the what that's it when i ever listen to this this album i tend to listen to side one Mm. not always listen to side two straight away Mm. um because there are some on here that aren't my favorite but i will listen to them all but oh, some yeah. of them aren't necessarily my favourite tracks of all time. So first track on side two is Passage to Bangkok. Then we're 
because it's basically about marijuana and the best place in the world to find it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so, it's also quite an upbeat rock track. It's a track. very upbeat, and it's a, it's a great sound. I mean, this yeah. is a wonderful-sounding track. Mm. And if you don't know what it's about, you just you just jig along with it, basically. Because yeah. um, it's quite a fun-sounding track. But um, yeah. There's a little the, bit of controversy about it with the, uh, the, sort of the Chinese drum percussion or yeah. guitar or whatever is sound but um, it is a more traditional sound more traditional mm. rush sound this yeah. this would fit in to you know um their previous albums quite easily yeah. definitely definitely um and it's, I, I do like this track i think it's great and they played it live a heck of a lot and this was they this did. would have been one of the tracks i heard on that uh, friday rock show or saturday rock show live show yeah it is it is a great track i mean so apart from the the subject matter which we you know can be <laughs> thorny in well, some um, circumstances. Um, it's a yeah. great track. I love this it track. I, I like the track as well. I think mm. it's good. Um, a great beat and the, the, a good guitar solo as well. Definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then again, when has Rush not done something great? I mean, even their terrible tracks are pretty good musically. Yeah, I don't think they ever haven't done great. No. Uh, no. So I'm not a big fan of some of their later albums, but I can't fault it musically. Yeah, yeah, they're still listenable, even if they're not as immediate as some of the yeah. earlier stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Then we move into the Twilight Zone. Yeah, now this is literally what it says on the tin. fans of this show yeah. so they thought they'd do a song and if you actually yeah. are a big fan of the show and listen to this track they mm -hmm. do discuss some of the plots from various yeah. episodes so you can actually yeah. go oh, i remember that episode yeah. it's a great song a great yeah. song I, this apparently this was only written because they needed one more song to fill up the second side I like um, this so track. It was the last song to, to be written, and it was just kind of, oh, we need a song. What should we do? So, <laughs> I like this track, and it's probably just purely because I am a big fan of the show. Mm, I like Twilight Zone as well. It's, it's good. Um, I remember um, the lyrics to this song were once sent into 2000 AD by somebody who claimed that it was a poem they'd written, and they won Letter of the Week and won something like 20 quid or something. Really? It's the early 80s, so that would have been a lot of money. Um, only for the next week, hundreds of letters pour in saying, that's just the lyrics to Twilight Zone by Rush. Wow. 
And for anybody out there who doesn't know what 2000 AD is, that's another podcast we could do at some point. Entirely another podcast. Yes, maybe yeah. we could. That will be a huge podcast. Just briefly, it's a uh, UK comic uh, from whence Judge Dredd came. But yeah, so that was my first exposure to this song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hearing uh, about that. Um, then we go on to lessons. honest and mm-hmm. so i listened to this earlier on when i listened to the album i can't remember how this song goes it's it's a nice little well alex leafson wrote it mm. um well it's okay it's just I, this will never get onto my top 1000 rush tracks as a, as a compilation say it's something i've listened to and when i've listened to it i've not gone yeah turn this off or skip this yeah, I honestly couldn't tell you how it went right now. No, I couldn't hum it right now, even so, though I listened to it like an hour ago. So there you go, that's that one. Yeah. But um, then we come on to tears. quite as forgettable as lessons it's got a nice um, guitar to it yeah i mean it's, it's beautifully played and well sung but it's again another odd one for rush because it's a ballad yeah. it's a romantic ballad at that yeah something they don't really do ever again this is totally geddy lee he wrote the lyrics and the music um Such and also softy. apparently the first ever track they wrote that features a mellotron so. really 
which you know the staple of prog rock yeah here's yep. the first time they've used one there's a way to really lower the conversation at a party <laughs> when you pop that one in the conversation did you know uh, did you know that Geddy Lee this is the first track Melotron you know Really, really. really. Yeah, I must okay. go to the bar and get some more nibbles. But yeah, exactly. Don't use that at a party. No, I'm not no. going to. No, I don't well, get invited to impress people anyway. No, that's because no. you're old. <laughs> that wasn't the main reason. I think it's the smell. But, you know, yeah. other than that, I'm fine. It, it becomes part, of, part and parcel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> old so, and yeah. smell. So, I'd just like years. to point out, because Simon does keep saying this, but I'm not actually that old. <laughs> Stop laughing. You, say, you can't remember how old you are. Um, I can. I'm not going to say it on here, but it's not really old. It's just yeah. semi-old-ish, <laughs> depending on old. how old you are, when the dear listener. If yes. you're if you're around fifty, then I'm not that old. Mm-hmm. If you're below that, I'm bloody ancient. My kids think you're old. No, they don't really. They've not said. <gasps> oh my god! Wow! <laughs> Am I going to have words with them when I come round? <laughs> Uh, Last time they take my dog for a walk. <laughs> no, you look good for your age. Thank you. <laughs> Stop laughing. <laughs> it's not helping. <laughs> it's good you can't see my face. Anyway. Yes. Yes, it on is. On to the next track, which is the last track on this side, and the last track on the album. Something, Something for Nothing. For nothing. Ooh, um, there we Waiting for the tracks on the album yeah. apart from side one obviously i mean it yeah. is a great end to this album it would really really fit onto their first two albums as well this is their proper Easy. old, old it's, it's traditional rush sound at this point yes. um but it is such a rousing end to this album you, you've mm. got to love it yeah it's, it's so good i, I just can't get enough of this if i ever listen to just the two tracks it's 21 12 and then this and yeah i would skip over the rest yeah this was inspired wasn't it by uh, some mm. graffiti they saw yeah, uh, when they were on tour it was yeah, a, a piece of graffiti that said freedom isn't free mm. it was written on the walls they were going through yeah. la and they thought yeah. that's a good idea for a song yeah it's also about that kind of um you know the the american classic of getting out onto the freeway and and you know and breaking free from society but uh, neil pert kind of said that that's also about exiling yourself from society yep. so yeah you've got your freedom but are you really free 
None of us are really free. You always have to pay for freedom. And that's today's Thought of the Day on Radio 4. Um, but yeah, I love this track, and I, if I were making a compilation and didn't want to include any long tracks, this would be the track I'd use from this album. Definitely. It's a it's a great track, and you can't fault this track. I mean, the, the lyrically, it's, it's pretty good. It sings along, and you can sing along with this. But musically... It's a good roundhouse to it finish is. this album. It is. It's great. So that's that's 2112. Yeah. So overall, what do you think of that album? I'm a massive Rush fan, as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I listen to it. I mean, if I if I go down the list of albums, uh, which are my all-time favourite, this will always be number two. Mm-hmm. Purely for side one. Yeah. What um, would be your number one? Hold Your Fire, I think. Or... Mm-hmm. I know, I know. Bit of a bit of a mix up or Grace Under Pressure. Uh Grace Under Pressure is great. Yeah. Can't go wrong with Grace Under Pressure. Mm-hmm. I love Hold yeah. Your Fire. Apart from the last two tracks, which are terrible. Tai Shan and something High Water. water. High Water. High was. Water. Yeah. yeah. Which I always skip over to be fair. Yeah. And for me, Rush has several peaks. Um the first album being one, because I think the first album was absolutely stonking. Yep. Um and then this and then uh, moving pictures and permanent waves, and then, it, but it just it kind of peaks up and down. Farewell so to kings. The, yeah, the albums in between, I can kind of take or leave almost. Farewell to kings. I, honestly, I know this is a big popular album with Rush fans. I love it. I, I don't really know what's on that album to be honest. I really? Mean, I couldn't, couldn't. Oh man, it's one of my favorite. It's one of my favorite albums. It'd be about <laughs> number five. This album. Um, yeah. But you're right. They're, they're, Rush is a band that. Like Genesis, you know, mm. it goes through phases. It has like a yeah. set of albums that fit into a yeah. certain genre, a certain theme, a certain style of music. Yeah. Rush does the same thing. Um, yeah. But it's like there are some albums that you just kind of like dawdle into the distance, like Hemispheres. Yeah. That's another one it which, yeah, it's there, but it's. It a couple of good tracks on Hemispheres, though. I mean, oh, isn't the, the trees, trees on Hemispheres? Yeah. yeah. The trees is brilliant. Yeah, it's great. But, but yeah, the album is, a is whole, it enough yeah. to draw you to the album when you're looking through your records of uh, what to play next? But yeah, but f- so for me, this is one of their peaks. Um, I don't know, I don't know whether where I could place it because, like you, I love Grace and the Pressure, but but I it's like this is stuff. the this is the end of mm. their first set of records. As in, yes. from now on, they change style a little yeah. bit. Yeah. So this is kind of the end of the first set, like like mm. Genesis. There's a there's a yeah. certain cutoff point where they go, oh, I, now I can see they change style. This yeah, is exactly. that for Rush. Yeah, they are one of the bands that changes their sound significantly over yeah. the course of their career. I like David um, Bowie in that that respect. Mm, although, although yes. Bowie was the master of changing his yeah. sound to fit. Um, yeah. Rush have done the same thing. They've never they've never been like shall we say bands like kiss <laughs> that that kind of just ground on doing what they do yeah um and never really yes. or yes and never really yeah. changed that much until mm-hmm. you know later in their career and then they went you know people are getting bored let's try something new um yeah. rush constantly renewed themselves and tried yeah. something different um yeah. and there are eras of rush it's almost like a geologic thing where you can mm. cut through a section of rock you can do that with a rush albums yeah. and see different layers of rush yes that's the thing i mean the, the two albums you've mentioned as your favorites hold your fire and and this 10 years apart roughly yep completely different sounds utterly completely. different sounds and yet we're still stuck with the same three 
instrument players oh, and the yeah. same three instruments and yet they've managed yeah. to make them different all right they bought more keyboards in later on yeah. but it was still something they could do live because Geddy Lee yeah. played the keyboards and he yeah. played the keyboards when he wasn't doing bass so he could still play everything they did live with with the use of a few pedals to, to bring in a few effects but basically yeah. they never changed the fact that they could do everything live exactly that's, that's pretty good and they had a they had a great career um and Neil Peart will be sadly missed, I think. Um, Terribly sadly missed. Yeah. We'll never see um, another like him. Definitely not. It would be nice to think that Geddy Lee and Alex Lifeson uh, might get together and record some more music. I don't um, think I'd like that. But, but not thought... as Rush as, you know. Well, Geddy Lee's also had a solo album, hasn't he? At yes, which is, which is also very good. Um, it is very good. Uh, I can't remember what it's called now. Is it called My Favourite Headache, I think? I think it is, um, yes. Uh, that's also excellent. Um, yeah. I, I recommend that if you like Rush and you've not heard Geddy Lee's solo album get that Alex Lifeson released a solo album as well he did um, not so good <laughs> mm, it wasn't one of my <laughs> no. no so let's not talk about that <laughs> yeah but what I, what I would say is if you get a chance to actually watch any of the documentaries that they made mm. and I said they did make two really good ones yeah. it really is worth your time they yeah. are superb they show the band as being absolutely human mm. you know there's there's no prima donna stuff going on yeah they are they are about as down to earth as you could possibly imagine people being yeah that yeah. there's no there's no big i am going on mm. here they're just absolutely just three guys you can imagine meeting down the pub um not at the Definitely. moment obviously yeah. um well, no. but you know they've been arrested <laughs> yeah there's just there's just no pretense about them they just mm. they're just three musicians who did yeah. what they wanted to do the hell yeah. with everybody else and they were going to have fun doing it and they did mm. and so and watch watch the documentaries because they are not a waste of anybody's time and beyond the lighted stage includes a lot of um archive footage doesn't it from when they were really young it does plus a few uh nice bits from other bands who toured mm. with them like kiss i remember there's there's a, an interview with kiss on there gene simmons mm. i think specifically and yeah. he was saying when they were touring with them um, they would literally just lock themselves in their room at the end of a gig. And they were saying, we don't know what their stuff is because they'd be out drinking and womanizing or whatever. And yeah. Rush would lock themselves in their room and practice. <laughs> and they just didn't understand the mentality that they had because they, it was so alien to being on the road. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Rush, if you listen to these uh, things, Rush got up to some weird things in their vans because they mm. had this, this like camper van that they yeah. bought. At start with when they were touring and they got some weird uh, drinking games in there with Thin Lizzy and other bands <laughs> um, yeah. where they would just drink and drink and drink and pass out in the back of this van while they're on tour and <laughs> see, these documentaries are absolutely a gold mine and yeah. such entertainment to listen to they're not dry at all so yeah, I do I recommend cer them certainly, certainly agree with your recommendation on Beyond the Lighted Stage I think that's absolutely you've fantastic got to documentary you've got to watch the Rush mm. 40th our 40 yeah. tour i've not it's, seen that but i will i will watch that i think really is an utter eye-opener into how yeah. the band was at the end and mm. what made it the end and why they felt it was the end even though half of them mm. didn't but it's yeah. it's very poignant and it's very well done yeah and you get every single band member's oh, individual oh. point of view rather than as a whole because they interview them separately so you get to see how everybody was feeling at the end it's really brilliant. Uh, shall we wrap this up then? Yeah, let's. So cool. basically, 
this is one of my all-time favourite albums and will always be one of my all-time favourite albums. 100% agree. One of the best rock albums and prog rock albums ever made. For those of you out there who aren't into Rush, ooh, Simon, what would you say if you somebody was going to come up to you and say, I want to get into Rush, can mm. you recommend albums? What would you recommend? Mm. I couldn't recommend an album because I need to know what sort of music they like. Because there's something for Rush for everyone. That is absolutely true. I'd certainly recommend Grace Under Pressure, I think. Mm. Yes. Because that's, um, that's some... one of those... It sounds 80s. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of one of those... It's got a little bit of something for everybody. Mm. And the themes of the songs are interesting and extraordinarily well presented. Mm. Everything from the Holocaust to nuclear war, I mean, it's all on there. Grace Under Pressure definitely is a good one. Um, yeah. Go with that, but somebody might like a bit, you know, might like the synth sound, so you might want to recommend uh, signals. signals. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. it's just difficult. I, I think I really think there is a Rush album for everybody, yeah, um, definitely. No matter what sort of music, no matter you like. what music you're into, Rush have been there and done it. They haven't done it in a way just to please fans and keep themselves going, they've done yeah. it in a way that is. Uh, organic they've they've grown their sound as they've gone along they haven't pandered to popular music styles they've yeah. literally grown as mm. they've gone along so exactly. that that is also nice the fact that they haven't just pandered they are a great pretty much band done what they wanted to do and the hell yeah. with the rest of you if you don't like it tough, tough. they're gonna do it anyway <laughs> so that's 2112 do you agree with us or not please send us feedback you can send us feedback to the Revelation Station podcast at gmail.com or you can join our Facebook group. Facebook's group's been a bit quiet this week because we've not been doing much. So we'll try and add something further to that at some point. But please send us feedback. Yep. And uh, as always, we'll try and uh, do something interesting next week. We did say yep. Red Dwarf, did we? Red Dwarf, didn't we? So this week's charity of the week is Medicine Sans Frontières. Uh, not Games Without Frontiers, for those of you uh, Pete and Gabriel fans, but Medicine Without Frontiers, Doctors Without Frontiers, um, to donate to their COVID-19 appeal. Go to stories.msf.org.uk and you can donate money there. That's They're trying to provide uh, protective gear to hospitals and workers as well as other various things you can donate to. Um, so please, if you have anything to spare, you can donate to them. You can donate to them from anywhere in the world as well. So the last couple of charities I've mentioned have been UK-centric. This is a worldwide one. So please, if you can. Yeah, or of course you can donate to us. Or you can donate to us at buymeacoffee.com. If you like what you've heard and you want to chuck us the price of a coffee, please do so. Go there and search for Revelation Station. That's buymeacoffee.com. All the money from that goes towards paying for my uh, expensive co-care. I mean, they're going towards paying for the website. Yeah, or if you don't like what you've heard, Hitmen are fairly cheap. Mm. And I recommend that if there's anything in this that you don't like and you would like to hire a Hitman, it was Gary's fault. <laughs> as it always is everything's always my fault exactly so yeah join us next week for a discussion about red dwarf yes it's a bit of a break for us because we usually do music but we thought we'd mix it up a bit as we're all stuck inside who knows you might think hey i've never heard of red dwarf why no, don't i buy the box set so it's been good to join you for a while it's been um, good to hear from you simon and you too. Uh, everybody out there, stay safe and remember to keep talking. Stay safe. Yes. Take care. Bye bye. Take care. Bye. bye. Attention, all planets of the Solar Federation. 
Attention all planets of the Solar Federation. Attention all planets of the Solar Federation. We have assumed control. We have assumed control. We have assumed control. Are you going to put that track in now? I'm going to put a little bit of it in, yeah. Okay. Not the whole, the whole thing. The whole thing, yeah. I'm going to play the whole thing now. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. what I do now. Yeah. <laughs>